What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for being here with us to wrap up the week with this Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. I'm also the lead fantasy baseball analyst for Sports Ethos, and you guys can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit me up there. You get links to my shows, different thoughts, threads throughout the day. And, of course, you guys can ask me any questions you like regarding fantasy baseball or really anything, particularly, hopefully, about fantasy baseball. But always there if you guys are wanting to have a conversation about sports or whatever. So go ahead, hit the follow button there. And hopefully, you guys, if you haven't already, will leave a five-star review on the show today. Really hoping to move up search results here in the early going. And that is a great way for you guys to help out at home. Doesn't cost you any money, only costs you a few seconds. So go ahead, hit the five-star review button, whether it be on Google, Apple, Spotify, whatever. Really appreciate all the help we can get there. In today's show, we're going to be looking back on some of yesterday's top performers. A couple of backstops we're going to be talking about, and then some pitching. A couple other players mixed in there, but a couple of catchers had really good games yesterday. We'll talk about them. We will look ahead to tonight's matchup. So a couple of pitching matchups that I'm going to be keeping my eye on this evening. We will look at the waiver wire as some of the more added players today. And then we will do something a little bit different here for this Friday. We're going to look ahead to some players who can be added to help you win your different categories this weekend. So there's a couple of different players I have in mind for each category, and we will talk about them closer to the end of the show. For right now, we are going to start by looking back on yesterday. So Travis Darnot was the highest scoring player yesterday uh, in points leagues, but he also, I mean, if he was in a category league, you were very happy with what he gave you here. Three for five, he had a base hit and two home runs. He scored three times and drove in six. One of the best games you're going to see from Darno all season. Probably the best, if we're being honest with ourselves. And he is still one of the best catchers to roster across baseball. I know that he doesn't play a, a crazy amount of games. The most he's ever played in a season is 112. So you will probably need to have a secondary option on your team if Darno is your catcher. Maybe someone who can bounce around between catcher and the outfield or catcher in first base or what have you. Someone that you can slot in there when Darno gets the day off. Or you could also just stream that spot in when he gets a day off, or you could just go with no catcher. Uh, there are a lot of people who actually play with no catchers in standard leagues. I mean, if you have a two catcher slots, it's kind of hard to do that. But with one catcher slot, I actually know a lot of people who play with no catcher at all. If you can't get one of the top targets for the season, whoever it may be, then they just say to hell with it and you know, stack up at the other positions, use that spot for pitcher streaming or streaming in another spot in your lineup. There are a ton of different strategies. There's not only one way, uh, one right way to do things. So I, I personally like to always keep the slot filled. Even if it's not the greatest player, you get the opportunity for a couple of base hits or whatever. Uh, for me, batting average isn't typically of the highest concern. I'd rather focus on the counting stats. And then I usually tend to leave batting average behind a little bit. That's just me. Like I said, there's a lot of different ways to go about it. Uh, always open to answering any questions you guys may have. I know a lot of people who play both ways, so there's no right or wrong answer in terms of a second catcher uh, in one catcher league. Let's keep the catcher theme going here, and we'll talk about Wilson Contreras. So he was hit on a, with a pitch on the ankle, and he had to leave the game here in the eighth inning. He did hit a home run yesterday, uh, scored a couple of, or drove in a couple of runs. He had a walk as well. 21.3 fantasy points on Yahoo. He's had quite a nice little stretch here, hitting three home runs in his last four games. Hopefully we don't see him miss too much time because he's been, again, one of the nicer catchers that you guys could roster to this point in the season. Not sure if he's going to play today yet. We have not had word on that to this point. Jorge Alfaro also hit a home run yesterday, drove in a couple of runs, and also drew a couple of walks. 
Now, he doesn't play every single day. He plays very sparsely, actually. The one thing that might give you some reason to want to add him is the fact that he can play in the outfield. He has outfield eligibility on Yahoo. So I would understand if you want to maybe have him on your team in deep leagues, but he really truly plays like every other day, sometimes every third day. <clears throat> he's only 2% rostered, so it's not he's not someone who's really uh, a big target for me. If you're in a very, very deep league, I could maybe understand it because of the eligibility in the outfield as well, but there's no need to be adding him there. Let's talk about Tony Gonsolin because he has been one of the nicer stories to this point in the season. He went six innings last night against the Mets, giving up just two hits, one walk, and striking out five. He has pitched to a 1.59 ERA, .88 whip. People have caught on now. He is rostered in, I believe, 87% of leagues. But it did take a little while, and even from last year, you could see that he did have a lot of potential. He's the 17th-ranked player in category leagues to this point in the season. Now, a huge contributing factor there is the fact that he has six victories. And yes, I've said this earlier this week at one point, it does pay to roster pitchers on good teams. Like, is he a better pitcher than Frankie Montes? Probably not. No, he's not. But he has six wins, and Montes has two because they play on polar uh, opposite-level tier teams. So... If you're rostering players who are on good teams, and we'll get to a couple more names, one in particular later on in the show who I want to talk about, an under-rostered pitcher on a good team. Uh, they're they're bread and butter for fantasy. They don't cost you too much in terms of draft capital. I don't remember where Gonsolin was going, but he was not going inside of the top 100 in drafts. Now he's been a second-round talent uh, to this point in the season, and I, I think he'd be able to maintain it going forward. Personally, I don't see any reason, anything in his advanced stat makeup that would lead me to believe that he is going to regress. If you take a look at his StatCast page, it is a beautiful place to be right now. So he's 90th percentile or better in expected ERA, hard hit percentage, expected slugging percentage. If you look at the expected ERA, it's at 2.58, which is a full run above his actual ERA, but we're still in the range of, of greatness there. So there's, not, there's no need to be concerned. Last year, Gonsolin was walking 14.2% of batters. He's thrown just shy of his pitch number from last season. He's about 170 pitches shy. He has cut that walk rate almost in half. It's gone from 14.2 to 8.7. And he's kind of jumped around with his walk rate over the last couple seasons. His first season, it was 9.2 and then down to 4, up to 14, and now we're down to just shy of 9 again. So if he can maintain this rate or even maybe get it a little bit lower, he's about at league average, but even if he can maintain this rate, we're going to be very happy, obviously, compared to the 14 last year. 25.8% hard hit percentage. He's 10% below league average there, or I should say above league average there. Expected batting average against is 209. Expected slugging 330. Uh, He's been a standout for me at this point of the season. And it's a shame that he's not available anymore because he's kind of been a name for me that's always kind of available. He's always, the last couple seasons, he's always kind of been available as a streamer if you wanted to use him. And now those days are kind of numbered. So it's the end of those days. He is, he's a must-roster guy, obviously. You guys already knew this before last night. But if he is still available, if you are in one of those 13% of leagues where he is available, go and grab him right now. Uh, pause the video or keep listening to the video and go ahead and grab him right now. Let's talk about Frank Schwindel. He hit a home run last night, scored a couple runs, drove in a couple runs. He had three base hits. He also had a double. So when you look at his makeup and you look at his StatCast page, it's not a great place to be, really. Uh, he's very cold in terms of the StatCast percentiles. He's not someone that really makes a ton of sense to me. So if you look back at last season, he was one of the better power sources uh, that you could have found off the waiver wire. So he hit last season 
14 home runs in 64 games, which is great. It's it's a great number there. To this point of the season, through 49 games, he has seven home runs. It's not the same level, but it's still really nice production for a guy who's available in most leagues. He's about 29% rostered. So he is someone who you can grab and get a little bit of a power bump. Now, the advanced metrics, if you look at the StatCast page, it's not great. It's really not. But it's just something that you can't really explain with him. He is able to hit a lot of home runs for whatever reason. The numbers don't really back it up. But what we've seen on the field and at the plate is that he, he has good power. So the metrics don't really show that. I mean, he's not bad. He's about league average in terms of exit velocity. Everything else, he's kind of a bit below average. So even more than a bit below average in some categories. So it's a bit of a head scratcher, but he has been able to hit home runs. So if you do need a little bit of a power boost, then I would go ahead and grab Frank Schwindel. Let's talk a little Joey Votto. He has really turned it around recently, guys. I know it's still not looking terribly great for him in terms of the overall numbers for the season. Still batting under 200. But over the last couple of weeks, he's 11 for his last 38 with three home runs and 10 RBIs. He has turned it around. And I know that he was dropped by a lot of people. A lot of people were very frustrated with what he was able to give them. And I totally understand people who dropped him. I mean, you're looking at a guy who is well past his prime at this point. Even though he had a great year last year, he is well past what he was giving us in those early uh, 2010 seasons. He plays for a pretty poor team. That lineup around him is not great. So I do understand that people were getting impatient early on in the season and moved on from him. If you held on this long, then I can I would say that you got to keep holding on. Uh, he is someone who can get very hot, and we've seen it recently. Not that he's been like on fire, but he's definitely turned it around a little bit. Still hits in a premier spot in the batting order, even though we're talking not a great lineup around him. So for me, he's still someone we're going to be holding on to. And if he is available and you need a bit of first base help, I would say that he is definitely the guy. He's someone who is really not going to be such a sexy name, especially since how he started the season. He's 52% rostered on Yahoo. He's available in about half the leagues out there. And I say if you do need a power bump, he is more of a long-term guy for me. I think throughout the rest of the season, he will correct uh, some of those mistakes we saw early on. He wasn't. He didn't seem too focused on baseball early in the season. That was a big thing for me. Uh, he got into the t- TikTok and Twitter stuff. And I don't know. While you're a professional athlete, for me, anyway, I think that you should focus on your craft as opposed to social media. For those of you who are basketball fans, I'm sure you guys see it with the whole uh, Kevin Durant thing. A lot of social media crap going on for a guy who got swept in the first round this year. I don't understand why these guys... I know that Kevin Durant doesn't need to obviously go and like work on his game, uh, but I, I don't understand why there's so much social media crap with these guys. I I wish, even from the days when, I'm not that old, but from the time when I was growing up, there was none of the social media crap. You know, there was obviously newspaper headlines and stuff like that. There were teams that didn't like each other, players that didn't like each other, media members that didn't like certain players and vice versa. But now it's just so out in the open and it's all so, it's all so annoying, I find. I don't know. You open up Twitter and it's constantly one player going back and forth with another player on a different team or uh, Different members of the media. I mean, Stephen A. Smith tends to get in people's faces a little bit. Just That's his style. So maybe Durant felt like he'd need to respond. But as a whole, I don't understand this whole draw to social media for athletes. I think that they should just focus on their craft, be the best player that they can be during the course of the season. In the offseason, a little bit, sure, okay. For me, the whole Kevin Durant thing, I know we've talked about basketball here, but well, just for a brief second – 
it just, I don't know, kind of baffles me. I know it wasn't his fault that they got swept, but for a guy who's sitting at home watching uh, watching the finals, it's kind of a little bit weird to see him just mouthing off constantly. And there was a thing a couple of days ago with Draymond Green and Steph Curry, and there's a whole bickering there. It's like, just focus on the freaking sport already. Like, you know, I'm not trying to sound like old manny here, old man kind of take. I just wish that they would perfect their craft and go out and do it and leave the social media stuff to the PR teams. I, I, that's That would be my personal wish. Now, Votto, whatever has happened, I don't think he's been quite as active in the whole social media land the last couple of weeks. And we, we've seen him really perform a lot better than we what we saw early on. So if you held on to Votto, congratulations. If you did have that patience, then then congrats. Uh, keep holding, and you will see these returns uh, get bigger and better as the season goes on. If he is someone who is available in your leagues, I would say that he's a decent name to target. There's a couple of decent names to target on the waiver wires, but for someone who can get as hot as we know Votto can get, for someone who is as good of a hitter, he, he is a great hitter. Uh, if he gets in a groove, then there's no stopping him. So he is someone who should not be on waiver wires as far as I see it. Personally, I know there's some people who will disagree because of the lineup that he's in, but for me, he's someone who has to be rostered. Let's talk a little bit about Teoscar Hernandez. I haven't talked about him a lot on the show at all. He was injured uh, earlier in the season, a little bit of a struggle, well, a lot of bit of a struggle, actually, to start the season, and now he started to turn it around. So uh, he was another guy I was getting questions on about should we be selling Teo uh, just to try and recoup some value, and, and no. I mean, he's someone who was bound to turn it around eventually, We've seen this is not a fluke from Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, well, what we saw last year was not a fluke because we've seen it in a couple of years now. The massive power, hitting for a high average, and even mixing in some steals there. So there was a lot of worries about him, about trying to sell him and just get anything back for him. But I think he is really starting to sell in there. And we have to remember this Blue Jays lineup has not performed the way that we've expected them to. Vladdy has not been as good as expected. Bo Bichette has not been as good as expected. Matt Chapman hasn't. George Springer has been pretty much what we've expected from him. But he's also had some injury stuff. So this team, despite being 10 games above 500, has really not performed the best in terms of their batting. They've been carried on the pitching end by Alec Manoa and Kevin Gosman and their closer, Jordan Romano. When Teoscar starts to figure it out more so, and we saw that yesterday. He hit a home run. He has multi-hit games in every game of the series against the White Sox. Really good stuff. He has a seven-game hitting streak now. So he's really turned it around recently. 35th-ranked player over the last week. There is no need to worry. So those of you who have asked me questions about him, I don't see any need to panic sell to obviously there's no dropping. I, I there, Probably some people were thinking about it earlier in the season, but there is no dropping Teoscar Hernandez. In case that thought did enter any of your minds, because... You know, a couple of you guys had sent me uh, trade offers that you had with Hernandez, and there was, like, trade Teo for, like, I think one of them was Alex Verdugo or something. And it's like, guys, like, he, he he's not going to be that bad all year. He is going to figure himself out, and we've seen that now that he is figuring himself out. So I can't remember if it was Verdugo exactly. I think it was Alex Verdugo or maybe it was, I don't know. It was someone like that. It was someone who was just kind of an okay more so a fringy kind of player, and no, no. Teo is fine. There was obviously some concern, but at this point, I'm not really too worried about him there. Let's talk now about a couple of interesting matchups tonight. So the first one is actually this afternoon, 
and some of you will hear this before this game. Some of you obviously will hear it after. Miles Michaelis and Marcus Stroman. So I think these guys are both a little bit deceiving to this point in the season. So Michaelis, 33 years old. Uh, more so Michaelis is deceiving us than Stroman, I think. But uh, And we saw it a little bit in his last time out against Milwaukee. He got rocked around a little bit. He's someone who's been a massive surprise through his 10 starts. His ERA sits at 2.67. Not a lot of uh, strikeouts, obviously, only 47 in his 60 innings. But he's someone who has been a very popular play to this point in the season. He is someone who has gotten a lot of traction because, I mean, no one was really expecting this, right? He's 80% rostered. I don't think anybody coming into the year would have thought that Michaelis would be 80% rostered. But he's been pretty consistent up until his last start against Milwaukee. So I understand people are invested in him now that they've added him and they want to see him do well. For me, I don't think that he's going to be someone who holds value for too long. So here against the Cubs, it's a pretty decent matchup, and I like this matchup here. But he's someone that I'm going to be keeping an eye on because this is very uh, kind of strange uh, not a, I, I kind of like the Vargas rule that we talked about. That's kind of a, I don't know how well known the term Vargas rule is, but we mentioned it before. We talked about it when we had Nick Pollock on last week, uh, a pitcher who comes out of the blue and is just really good to start a season. And you start them until they give you a reason not to start them. So his 2018 season was fantastic. That was pretty much the only year that he's ever been serviceable. Every other year we're talking an ERA over four this year. He's looking at a 2.67 ERA He's kept the hits down. Uh, his whip is very low as 1.05, and he's been overall one of the best surprises that we've seen in baseball. He's upped his strikeouts a little bit. He's lowered his walk a little bit. For me, I don't think that this can go on for so long, so I'm going to be looking, uh, taking a very close look at him this afternoon. I'm comfortable starting him, but he's someone who I think we have to have a short leash on in terms of dropping. I, I don't think we're there yet. We're not there yet, but we have to be very cautious with him because this is definitely we're uh, talking about outlier territory for this season. So I don't have a ton of faith that we'll be able to see this going forward. Have, I'll have my eyes very closely on the TV this afternoon there. Uh, Marcus Stroman on the other side, he has had a bit of a mixed bag to start his season, a couple of rough starts early on. He's started to figure it out a little bit here these last couple of times out. But for me, I see Stroman as someone who is more in the declining phase I know he's only 31. I just don't really like what the metrics are telling us at this point. So let's dive into them a little bit here. Now, I'm looking at the stat cast percentile rankings going back a couple of years here with Marcus Stroman. We're trying to find some trends that show us where he is heading. So in terms of exit velocity and hard hit percentage, last year in terms of exit velo, he was 41st percentile. Now he's in the 9th percentile. Hard hit percentage, he was 25th percentile. Now he's in the 8th. And we have these same trends going on with expected batting average, expected slugging, expected ISO, expected on base. Walk percentage is down. It's still good, but it's down. Uh, he's down in whiff. He's down in expected ERA, fastball velocity. He is down pretty much across the board everywhere. And he's had a couple of good starts in a row. And people are going to say, well, I mean, what do, you, what do you mean? What do you mean, Joe? He's had a couple of good starts. Well, he beat up on the White Sox, who have been a poor, poor offense this season. He beat the Cincinnati Reds, and he beat the Arizona Diamondbacks. We need to keep our expectations in check here. When he plays good teams, he doesn't particularly do well. When he played at Colorado, he didn't do well. Okay, fair. Not really many people do well in Colorado. When he played Tampa Bay, he gave up seven earned runs, which is okay. It happens, right? But if you just look at a lot of different factors, a lot of the different trends, he's lost speed. 
doesn't really get many swings and misses. He gives up a lot of hard contact. For me, Stroman is big red flag territory. 48.8%. That's the hard hit rate. Half of the hits are getting hit hard. Uh, it's it's not good stuff. The expected batting average is 284. Expected slugging is 471. There's really not a lot to like here when I look at Stroman and what he's been able to do. So for me today, he is on the bench. He is hard on the bench against St. Louis at home. I know that he is maybe underperforming a little bit because I, I saw him all those years in Toronto. He was a, He's a great pitcher. He was a great pitcher for a couple of years there. But what we've seen these last couple of years, for me, it shows that he's in decline. And you look back at the ERAs, and it doesn't really indicate that. You know, last year, 302. The year before, 322. Uh, I mean, he did sit out the pandemic year in the middle there. But his ERA for his career, 364, you know, he, he's always been fairly consistent. But for me, when you dig into those advanced numbers, there's just a lot that I really don't like about Marcus Stroman. And I think that I will uh, include him in my article for this weekend. Maybe we'll see how this performance goes tonight, because if he does dazzle tonight, it'll be hard for me to go out and take a shit on him on the weekend. I don't really expect that to happen, but anyway, maybe we'll see what happens here before really making judgments, but I don't have a lot of faith in Marcus Stroman. If you guys would try and uh, trade him or get, try and get rid of him, for me, that would be the smart move. He is 74% rostered. I think as the season goes on, we'll see that number go down and down, because Honestly, just not a lot of faith there that we can have uh, a lot of success from him. So I thought I would just dive into those two guys there just because they are a little bit polarizing for me anyway. Uh, my favorite pitching matchup tonight will definitely be the Joe Musgrove-Corbin Burns battle in Milwaukee. Two of the elite starters in the National League and two guys who have a decent chance of taking home the Cy Young. So definitely going to keep my eyes peeled on that one there. Not too much to really get in on. There's obviously no ads to be made there. Just a really nice game to keep an eye on. Let's talk about some of the more added and dropped players today. And JT Brubaker is one of the more added guys. I'm not doing it. You know, he's had a couple of good starts in a row here against Colorado and San Diego. Overall, he is just someone I don't trust. So I'm not going to be using an ad on him here heading into the weekend. A little bit too risky for my liking. Uh, I can understand people doing it because he's had a couple of good starts in a row. He gets Arizona. For my money, it's not worth it. Brady Singer is another one who has been very successful this season. Up until his last start, the previous four, they were all scoreless outings. For me, I'm not really too interested here. And yes, a couple of those outings were in relief. But still, he has been one of the bigger surprises to this point of the season. I'm just not buying that we can get this uh, production consistently here. In a start against the Astros, there is pretty much no chance that I'll be starting him tonight. So hard pass for me on Brady Singer. Merrill Kelly is someone who was definitely a shining star at the beginning of the season. He was someone I had a lot of shares with. And I still have some decent, uh, maybe what, three leagues I still have him in. But I understand that we have definitely uh, had the end of the, what do you call it here? The honeymoon, the honeymoon phase. I guess that would uh, be what I would call it. That period is pretty much over after a couple of rough starts. We do have to remember, though, that those rough starts did come against the Dodgers. So we give him a little bit of a pass in my book for that. I think that he's a viable play here tonight against Pittsburgh. Personally, I think that he's a decent ad. So uh, no, no restrictions for me there. Uh, if you give up a couple of runs against the Dodgers, typically we will give you a bit of a pass. He still looked very good as a whole on the season, and I'm not too worried about him. I don't think he's going to be a great option, but I think he's someone that you can stream in here and there. And against the Pirates, I think that that's a good opportunity for it. 
They are the most added players. Let's take a look at some of the drops. And Matthew Liberatore has been dropped by a lot of people. He was optioned back to AAA. It's a shame. I did a big write-up on him yesterday. I said that I didn't think he was quite ready yet. I think that he's a stash candidate. And now it's looking a little bit rough because he was dropped. So he had one good start and two bad ones. I'm imagining that he will be back on Major League rosters this season at some point. I believe he is the... I think he's like a top 25, top 30 prospect in baseball. I would expect him to be back up again this season. It will be obviously a little bit hard to stash if you don't have the NA slot because he will be not active now for a while. I understand dropping him. I'm a little disheartened by it because I figured that he would be up in the majors. I didn't think they were going to send him down, but you give up three home runs yesterday, have a bit of a tough outing, then it's it's understandable that they're going to send you down. Hyunjin Ryu also been dropped quite a bit. He is someone who is hard to pin down. I mean, he hasn't looked too bad his last three or four times out. But, in fact, over his last 15 innings, he's pitched to a 2.4 ERA, which is fine, right? 19 Over the last 19 innings, 2.29 ERA, a couple of victories. He just can't stay healthy. This guy's always going on the injured list, and that makes it really hard to roster him. So, yeah, Hyunjin Ryu is definitely a drop for me. Chris Flexen, he, again, is more of a streaming option. He did not have a great outing against the Orioles here, so he was sent back to waiver wires. No problem there. Pretty much everybody that we saw dropped is pretty standard, our guys who were streamed in for yesterday. Gene Segura also been dropped in 21% of leagues. He is going to miss 10 to 12 weeks, so it is going to be really almost impossible to hold on to him. He'll be back probably for September, and then you have to figure he'll be eased back in somehow. It's 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 a shame because to this point of the season, he's provided you top 100 value based on six homers, eight RB, or eight stolen bases, 275 average. He's been really valuable bouncing around that Phillies lineup, but especially when he's at the top of the lineup there, we've been pretty happy with the production. It's a shame, but unfortunately, Gene Segura is going to have to be dropped. So nothing that can really be done there. If you want to keep him in the injured list slot, then by all means, go ahead. It is not a bad option, but for the most part, you're going to be dropping him. It's He's not going to be coming back anytime soon. So really, if you're putting him on the injured list, it's only if you don't have anybody else to go on the injured list, you have nothing to lose, then pick someone else up. Maybe he beats the timeline. Maybe you're lucky there. For the most part, though, we're going to be okay dropping him. Now I'm going to be talking about some players who are widely available. We're going to be looking at guys who are typically 60% rostered or less who have the opportunity to help you win certain categories this weekend. So we'll go through all 10 of the major categories. We'll talk about players who can help you win each one. We'll start with runs here. And we're looking at, for me, Miles Straw being a pretty decent option. He's rostered in 60% of leagues, and it's been going down and down steadily. He did have a very hot start to the season, stealing a ton of bases in the early going. He does have nine, but they haven't really been coming recently. Only one in the last two weeks. He still can be a decent uh, steal stream, and that we'll talk about him a little bit later for that. But for, in terms of runs, <clears throat> in terms of widely available players, he's one of the better options for runs because he's a leadoff hitter. There are a couple guys behind him in that lineup who can drive him in if he gets on base. And he has scored 34 times this season. So he's not a bad option there if you need to have a couple of runs. Gavin Lux is another guy who can be added in for runs. And yes, he does bat at the bottom of the lineup there, but he is someone who does score quite a few times. He scored 29 times already this season, even out of the number 9-8 slot typically. Sometimes we see him as high as 7. But even in that slot, with the with the greatness of that offense there, he's still able to score you some runs. So he's a decent add. He is eligible at second short and in the outfield, and I think he's a pretty solid play there. 
Brandon Nimmo is also someone who can be added for runs. He is the leadoff hitter for the Mets. I did talk about him in the piece that I wrote over the weekend. And I think that he's an ad regardless. And he's been dropped this week in 7% of leagues because he was injured earlier. He's come back. He's been 0 for 9 in the two games he's been back. I still see him as someone who you can add short-term and long-term and be a nice boost in terms of runs and RBIs and even maybe the odd steal. <clears throat> we haven't seen a steal from him yet this season. He did steal five last year. We might be able to get the odd bag out of him here and there. So I see him as being a decent add in terms of runs. Let's talk about home runs. Anthony Santander, for me, is a big one. He's hit six home runs over the course of the last month. He typically bats third or fourth in that Orioles order. And yes... Not a great batting order, but still, you'll have a decent chance for RBIs if you pick him up, and also home runs. He is one of the he has the most home runs of the players who are widely available on the waiver wire here. Uh, David Peralta is another one who can be added for a bit of a boost with home runs. He has five over his last month, and over the last two weeks, he's batting three forty one. He has hit three home runs over that two week span. He is a decent guy again who can be added to give you a bit of a boost in home runs and RBIs. I don't think that. He's going to be a long-term ad by any means, but if you are in a tight battle this weekend, you have a spot open on your lineup and you need a little bit of power, he's a decent option. Another decent option here is Cole Calhoun. We haven't seen it so much this last week, but over the course of the last month, we have seen seven home runs from him on a 30-for-93 clip there. So he's batting 323, seven home runs. He's even still on a base this last month, which is not something that you can really expect from him. But overall, I think I see him as a good power and RBI ad as well. Frank Schwindel is another guy in that category, and we talked about him earlier. He can be a boost in home runs and in RBIs, and I think he's a solid, solid add. Now, that's pretty much it in terms of that category. I think Josh Naylor is also a decent option. He's been dropped quite a bit, and people have kind of given up on him after that hot streak that he was on. I still see him as being a pretty viable guy, middle-of-the-order, back-end kind of guy. I don't think that he's going to be someone that you should be dropping just yet. Anyway, I think... Hold on for a little while. This guy was a very highly touted prospect a couple of years ago. He's never had a full season in the major league. So I think we need to give him a little bit more time to keep going. Even with the downturn over the last couple of weeks, going four for 32, which is terrible. No question. It's terrible. He still has the average at 280 on the season, which shows you how good he was doing before that. And, and if you look at the major league average on a whole for the season, we're looking at about 240 across major league baseball. I haven't checked it in a couple of days. It might have, it might have changed a little bit since then, but about 240. You have Naylor, who's able to hit 280 to this point, despite the recent slump, and he has that power potential. So for me, Naylor is a decent add for this weekend for a little bit of a boost, and even beyond then, I can see him being a bit of a boost. Now, we already talked pretty much about the RBI guys mixed in there. Those will be pretty much the same guys that you have as the home run guys. Now, Tyrone Taylor is someone who I talked about a little bit on Twitter this week, and also on the show, uh, maybe on Monday or Tuesday, we talked about Tyrone Taylor. He's someone who, again, he's hit six home runs over the last month, 21 RBIs over the last month, and in that period, he is the 66th ranked player. He can give you a little bit of a boost in terms of your power and your RBI numbers. So he is another guy to keep an eye on. If we move into the stolen base category, we already talked about Miles Straw. He hasn't done it so much recently, but he has stolen nine bases on the season, four over the last month, and he can come out of nowhere and give you one or two steals. Over the course of the weekend, you, you got to figure he'll give you one steal over the weekend. So for me, he would be a decent add in that category. Eli White, the outfielder for the Texas Rangers, is also a decent option. He has stolen seven bases over the last month. Granted, only one over the last two weeks, but he still has quite a bit of speed there, and he can be added in a pinch to try and maybe win you that steal category. Colton Wong as well, he can give you a little bit of a boost there. He's got eight steals to this point on the season. 
And Jace Peterson. Jace Peterson has been really on fire flying under the radar this last month or so. Over the last month, he's the 38th-ranked player in category leagues on the backing of 16 runs. He's hit four homers, 14 RBIs, and he has stolen five bases. He is a good overall add going forward, at least in the short term, to try and boost literally every category for you right now. He can give you a home run. He can even steal a base for you. He bats typically at the bottom of that Brewers lineup, but keep this up for a little while, and he will be moved up. So I don't have any problem adding him in the interim. I think that he can be a good add this weekend to try and give you a little bit of a boost across the board there. If we're looking at batting average, the number one name that really sticks out to me is Luis Guillorme. He kind of bounces around that order, and we saw him bat third yesterday. Typically, we saw him batting eighth. Uh, He's bounced around to number one while Brandon Nimmo was out. But to this point in the season, he's been able to bat 356. He's been getting hits pretty much every time he goes out there and gets a starting job. Uh, on that day's lineup card. So if you if he is starting a particular day, he's a little hard to grab in advance because you're not really sure. He might get a day off or two. It's possible depending on matchups. He does have eligibility at second, third, and short. So he's not a bad ad uh, depending on the matchups and, of course, depending on if he is starting that day. Uh, another guy who interests me in terms of batting average is Jose Iglesias. He goes out there pretty much every time and gives you a base hit. He's only 8% rostered, and he's batting 325 this season. He's not going to be a big contributor in any other category, but he will be able to give you a couple of base hits over the weekend and hopefully give you guys a little bit of a boost in the batting average category. Not really a ton of great batting average guys available on a lot of waiver wires. Um, maybe, maybe you could go for an Andres Jimenez. Now, he has been playing a little bit more recently, but he has also been the victim of some platoons over the last couple of weeks. So he is a little bit risky. You could pick him up and then see him not play over the course of the weekend. I mean, he will play, but you might only get one or two games out of him as opposed to getting all three games there against the Orioles. So I think that he's a pretty decent add. If you're looking for strictly batting average, I'd probably prefer uh, Jose Iglesias. A little more confidence that he will get a starting job there. They've had a couple games postponed recently in Colorado, but other than that, he pretty much plays every single day. Uh, Obviously, he can't do anything about a postponement, but you guys know what I mean. He plays pretty much every day for them. Let's talk about the pitching stats, or pitching categories, I should say. Now, the pitching stats, really any stats, are kind of hard to predict, but there's a couple of guys who I think have a pretty decent chance of giving you a win if you add them this weekend. So, Aaron Ashby will be getting the start tomorrow night against San Diego. He is 61% rostered, and yes, he's only given you one win on the season. It was his last outing. He is someone who I think is going to be able to give you a victory because of how well he's been pitching. He's got a good lineup behind him, plus over the last couple of weeks, he's really been as lights out as it gets. So I hope you guys added him last weekend when he was featured in my article about two-start pitchers. I hope that you guys grabbed him, and I hope that you guys were able to get both starts out of him there. I see Nick Pavetta as well as being a pretty solid ad this weekend, and I know I've kind of bounced around on how I feel about Pavetta. He's been really a lot better than I could have expected, or really anybody would have expected heading into the season, specifically lately. Over the last month, he's the 15th ranked player. He has four victories, 30 strikeouts, and 34 innings and a 1.59 ERA to go along with a .76 whip. So he gets the Oakland Athletics tomorrow. I see that as being a really good opportunity for him to get a victory. So if he's still available, he's about 60% rostered. Similarly to Ashby, Ashby at the moment is, um, what are we talking about, 61% rostered. So both of those guys are still available in some leagues. I would recommend adding them if they are in your leagues. Jordan Montgomery is the third name we'll talk about here. 
He's only 57% rostered. He gets a matchup against Detroit on Sunday, and he should be honestly on everybody's priority list for Sunday stream. Now, the wins have not came. We talked about this uh, a couple shows ago. We talked about how the wins just haven't been coming for Montgomery up until his last outing where he did finally get one. He is still a strong target across the win, the ERA, and the whip categories. All three of these guys for me are that I've talked about. So Pavetta, Ashby, and Jordan Montgomery for me, those are my streaming targets heading into the weekend here. Uh, a couple of them I'm going to be trying to pick up. A couple of them are going to be a little bit difficult depending on your league size and competitiveness. Uh, specifically, probably Aaron Ashby might be a little bit hard. But there are a lot of leagues still with Montgomery and Nick Pavetta available. So go ahead while you still can and pick them up. Now, saves is a really tough category to nail down, but there's a couple of guys who have a decent chance of giving you one. So Rowan Wick, he bounces around a little bit. It's probably going to be David Robertson. So Wick, is uh, he's not a great target for a save, but he is uh, it's a possibility. And I don't want to go out there and say, yes, you should be adding him because, again, saves are really tricky at the best of times, even if you're talking about a dedicated closer. He's not the dedicated closer, so it's a little bit tough, but he is someone who has saved four games for them this season. If something goes wrong with Robertson or whatever, I think he'd be the guy that they turn to. So for me, he's not a bad option in terms of saving a game for you there. Daniel Hudson did get a save earlier in the week, and it was because we were looking at a rough outing from Craig Kimbrell. So I don't know how many more times we're going to see that from Kimbrell. It's possible we don't see it at all. It's possible we see it again his next time out. I'm not really sure where they stand with him, but I think that Hudson is not a bad look in deeper leagues. We're talking deep, deep leagues here. Uh, Art Warren for the Cincinnati Reds. He is a tough one to nail down exactly. He's, I think, the favorite for saves down there in Cincinnati. Not that they really have too many opportunities for them, but they are playing the Nationals this weekend, another fairly poor team. So you figure Warren will get at least one chance there to get a save this weekend. There's not a lot of great options there, but those are the guys who I'm going to be looking at. Uh, in terms of strikeouts, there's a couple of decent plays. No one who really uh, is going to knock you over in terms of how good they're going to be. But Dane Dunning, who's going tonight, is a decent option for strikeouts against Seattle. Josiah Gray is also going tonight. Now, he, we know what Josiah Gray is capable of in terms of strikeouts, but we also know that he is capable of getting really rocked around. So he's a little bit of an iffier play tonight. If you just need strikeouts and you're not worried about the other categories, then I think he can be a decent play for you. But uh, there's really not many guys who are specifically just strikeout guys. If we're talking about Aaron Ashby, yes, then he'd be a really good option. And even Pavetta is not a bad option there. But there's not too many guys who are widely available who are able to give you high strikeout numbers, which is why going into the season we talk about drafting those major strikeout pitchers early on because they really don't stick around. They don't, they're not available on the waiver wire. They're kind of tough to really figure out how to how to acquire them, uh, specifically mid-season. So, guys, that is going to do it for us today, and it's going to do it for us for the week, actually. This, I think, is week 11 of the show. I should have checked before we started recording, but I'm pretty sure we are 11 weeks in, 55 episodes done. Thank you so much. All of you who have already followed on Twitter, I'll hit I'll hit you with the handle one more time here. It's at JoeOrico99, so J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit the follow button there. You get links to my shows, different threads that go out, other random thoughts, and every now and then I will support one of the other sports ethos pages and sharing their stuff. I'll tell you about J.P. Sticko a little bit here before we head out. He is the host of Fantasy NFL Today, which is the football equivalent of my show. 
I believe he's still going three times a week at this point in terms of his shows. I don't think he's every day yet, but he will be hitting a five days a week mark by certainly by the time the NFL season rolls around. But in the next, uh, I'm assuming in the next month or two, we're going to start to see five days a week out of him. You guys should be going ahead and following the football side on Sports Ethos. Pretty soon we're going to have a blurb feed. We're going to have different uh, posts about different football players and different statuses, injuries, whatever notes. We're going to have that for you on the football side very soon. So go ahead and follow Ethos Fantasy FB if you want to be uh, on the ground floor of another sports ethos operation here. Right now, you're not going to get your feed cluttered up too much with it. You're going to get the odd uh, show that goes out a couple times a week. Other than that, you're not looking at too much stuff that's really going to be uh, in the feed there for now. Pretty soon, though, we will have the uh, the blurbs coming in. So you're going to want to be following for that. If you guys do not have your fantasy football coverage figured out for the season yet, go ahead and give JP a shot. He's at JP Sticko, J-P-S-T-I-C-C-O. And, of course, Ethos Fantasy FB. So you guys get both of those packages together. You get JP. He puts out great content on his own, different threads, different videos. He's also on TikTok. I think it's just at JP Sticko. But he gives you a lot of fantasy football content. And pretty soon we're going to be giving you even more football content on that side. So go ahead, follow them, follow me. And hopefully you guys have left a five-star review on the show. If you haven't, we'd really appreciate you guys doing that today. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. And we will see you next week. Cheers, guys. Cheers.